In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this fine Monday afternoon? I am Jake Johnson, your host for the evening, and this is Untethered Live Bible Study on a Monday night in the great book of Leviticus tonight, chapter 9, verse 22, I believe it is. That's where we left off. That's where we're going to pick up. How are things? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Is it cold where you are? Because the temperature is dropping rapidly here. I mean, it's noticeably chilly outside. Like, like very, like you step outside and you're like, where's my coat? I need my coat now. It's cold. I don't know exactly how cold it is, but it's definitely in the 30s at the moment. Got to be. Let me look. Let's see how close I am. What is the temperature? Got to pull up the old weather bug. What is the temperature? I say it's in the 30s. 32. That's how cold it is right now. That's the low for tonight, so 32. So right now it probably feels like 35 or something, some such. But the lowest it's going to get is 32 tonight. So that's freezing. So if you're in the state of North Carolina and you have uh, pipes in your house make sure you leave a faucet dripping or something or else you're going to wake up to puddles in the morning because your pipes will burst I know from experience it's happened more than once hey MVTV welcome to the show buddy good to see you hey single file mm, that's interesting 15 now oh you're 15 degrees oof that's even worse. You got snow on the ground, don't you? Or getting close to it. I doubt it's going to snow here this year. It did a couple years ago, but I doubt it. Back at you, Jake. Good, good, good. Oh, and by the way, just so you know, I do have ears. And they're not pointed. But I love the comparison. And I can do that. With both hands and alternate. <laughs> the storm is just starting. Ooh. Okay. Screenshot. <laughs> I did love your video and I thank you for it. It was lovely. I showed it off to all my people down here and they all thought it was quite interesting and apropos. So good job on both counts. And thank you. Uh, I always get a kick out of those things. I love it when people make 
art of any kind, especially if it pertains to me, because I don't get a lot of attention. I don't get as much attention as I want anyway. So I appreciate that. Thank you. How are you doing this fine evening? Looks like it's just me and you at the moment. Won't be that way for long, hopefully, but at the moment it's just us. Us dudes chilling and talking. Great. I never know, especially when I hijack your original footage. I've already told you anything that's mine is yours. You can use anything I put out. It's fine. Uh, if I make anything worthy of using, you're welcome to it. Pretty good frame of mind versus last night. Let me tell you. Well, having smokes will do that for you. That's a fact. I know I've been in that situation many times, and I don't do not behave very well when I'm in that place. So, good on you for getting that solved. Now, as for the questions that you asked, I was a little hard pressed to nail down exactly what you were asking because it was in conversation form. So if you wouldn't mind, spell it out for me. Exactly what are you asking? And I'd be glad to answer those questions. I was going to put Sasquatch in the frame where Scotty speaks. <laughs> That's interesting. He'd make a good Scotty, I think. That general question was, stand by. Stand by. Breaking news coming through. Stand by. Perfect time to drink some coffee. Mm. It's a slow Monday for me here at the headquarters. Here in Studio C, <clears throat> we are uh, chilling because it's cold outside and it's Monday. And, you know, Monday comes with a certain amount of blah. Anyway. I didn't work today because my boss is still in the mountains because, you know, he's got money to go to the mountains. <laughs> so I just hung around the house today and went paid a few bills and came back to the house quickly as I could because it's freezing outside and I ride a motorcycle and you can infer whatever you wish from that. <clears throat> the feeling that everything wrong with my life is pretty damn lame compared to what God must deal with. I imagine him over a huge table watching things. <laughs> well, the answer to this question is probably bifurcated. Uh, there's probably no way to answer it in a straight line, so I'm just going to do the best I can. Number one, God is not human. And a human cannot grasp the concept of God. See, God created time, space, and matter, and we live inside of time, space, and matter, which means all we can see is time, space, and matter, and we judge and measure everything according to time, space, and matter. But God's outside of that, so he can see everything all at once. And he, he exists in a um, plane of existence that is other than time, space, and matter. What that is, I couldn't even begin to fathom but it's not time space and matter it's outside of it which means in a roundabout way as god is way bigger and way smarter 
and way stronger than we could even possibly imagine. So, yes, for a human, there are way more important things going on than your little problems. Matter of fact, that's a good way to keep yourself humble is to keep that in mind. Anytime you think you've got it bad, just think of what some other people are going through and and know that you've got it pretty easy by comparison. That being said, God created each and every human being on this planet with the direct intent of that human being worshiping him of their own free will, which means that he not only has time for each and every one of us, but the capacity to watch each and every one of us. So he sees every little thing you go through, and it's just as important to him as it is to you, in a manner of speaking. There's not a whole lot he's going to do about it, because obviously you have free will, which means you have to make up your own mind, but he'll support you while you do it. He'll have your back while you're figuring out how you're going to go about handling your problem, whatever that problem may be. God loves you unconditionally. He's just waiting on you to love him back. And if you can do that, if you can manage that in the world we live in, that's a pretty big, impressive step that obviously God will respond to in kind. Obviously, you will feel the blessing of God when you reciprocate his love because that's what he wants. And when you are able to do that of your own free will, then it's reciprocated back to you in a manner of blessing or in a manner of feeling the part or a manner of belonging or whatever it is humans feel. So the, the, the way to answer this question, I think, best is you're right. There's a lot going on in the world that's way bigger than us. But we have a God that can handle that. And he loves us enough that our problems are valuable to him too. So don't worry so much about that and try to allow God's love to wash over you when it when you can, hard as it is in this world. I hope that helps. Good point. Anthropomorphizing, anthropomorphizing or whatever too much. Yeah, to some degree, yes. ATL, what's up, my buddy? Good to see you. He created the harsh spark that carved the carving out existence and created a boundary between them okay I imagine a billion ankle biter voices help find my cat help me get to work on time please God not another headache Gah. shut up no believe me I've thought those very same things and yes by comparison most of the problems we face on a daily basis are petty but there are some real tearjerkers out there. There are some real serious problems, and God attends to those. And he especially loves a heart case, you know, somebody that's down on their luck, somebody that's humbled by the earth. Because this world will eat you up and spit you out. It doesn't care about you in the slightest bit. It will mow right over you and keep right on moving and never, ever once look back. God loves those people. Those are, the, those are his people. Because think of yourself, think of yourself as an ore. You're part of this earth. You're made of the flesh of this earth, the, the dust, the dirt. So you are a rare ore like iron. But have you ever seen iron in its pure form? 
it looks like dirt or rock. In fact, that's where they get it from. They dig down into the dirt till they reach a vein of iron and they break it up and pull it out in big buckets. And then they take that to a pulverizer. And that pulverizer rolls it down a long conveyor belt and chews it up as it goes until it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then it goes through a series of poundings and a series of uh, different mechanisms that break it into fine powder. And then it goes from that fine powder state into a wash. And it washes out all the dirt and stuff and it leaves behind the rare ore, iron ore. Then that iron ore is transported into what we call a crucible, which is a big bowl made of of uh, 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 ceramic. And then that ceramic bowl is put into a fire of such heat that you couldn't imagine, something like 2,000, 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's ridiculously hot. It makes the whole bowl turn red, and everything in it turns to liquid Right, So then you burn out all the impurities and sparks are flying everywhere because of the impurities in the iron, oxygen and little bits of steel and little bits of tin and nickel and all that's burning out of it as it burns. And once that process is done, then they take this hot, molten, raw, pure iron and then they bring it out of the crucible and pour it into a mold, which is a long, flat table. And then a big press comes down and starts beating on it with the weight of about 20 tons. And it just pounds it, pounds it, and pounds it into a sheet. And then that sheet is slid down a conveyor belt as it cools off. And it goes through several rinses and oils and different things to cause it to be whatever it is and have its texture as it cools and it becomes solid. Once it becomes solid, then it reaches a blade section and it starts cutting it into little chunks, which we call bars, or there's an, a billet is a word for it, little billets, chop, 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 chop. And then that billet is pulled out of the pile and it's taken over to a smith and that smith then puts it back into the fire and heats it up again until it's orange-red hot. And then he takes it out of the fire and puts it in ice-cold water and smoke goes everywhere and sparks fly and all the rest of the impurities come out. Then he puts it back into the fire until it's red hot again. This time when he takes it out, he puts it on an anvil and starts pounding the hell out of it with a big three-pound beater or five-pound beater, a hammer. And he beats it and beats it and beats it until it goes flat. And then he folds it and then he starts beating it again, and every time it starts to cool off, he puts it back into the fire and heats it back up to red-orange and pulverizes it more and more and more until it's flat, and then he folds it again. They go through this process about 700 times, folding it and folding it and folding it, and as they fold it, they add in a certain other metal, which causes it to become hard. I forget the exact... Uh, recipe, but it's some kind of uh, ionized steel of some kind. I can't remember now. But they add that in with it to make it hard, and they keep folding it and keep folding it and beating it flat and folding it and beating it flat and heating it up and cooling it off and heating it up and cooling it off. They literally beat it until it is unrecognizable from the original thing that it once was. And then they polish it with a stone, and they grind on it, and they shear, shear off 
bits and pieces of it as they grind it down to a fine, sharp point until it's razor sharp. And they keep grinding and keep grinding. And then they take different sizes of or different courses of stone, lighter and lighter and lighter, until it's like a feather. And they're just wiping it with a feather until it's smooth and pure and perfect and shines like a mirror. And then they wrap the end of it and they put ornate works on the end of it with uh, uh, jade or alabaster or something and wrap it tight with a rope and they put a cap on the end which is called the hilt and they pull it out and they have a beautiful piece of art, a beautiful, shiny, perfect edge that is a weapon of war, so sharp that it could cut a rate, it could cut a, a bamboo stalk in half with one swipe. You could drop a piece of paper or a hair, and it would split just under its own weight over the sharpness of this blade, sharp down to a micron. This is a perfect utensil, but it took a lot of pulverizing to get there. It didn't start out as a sharp sword or a beautiful blunt instrument of war. It started out as dirt. And then it was pulverized and pured and tried in the fire and then cooled and then beaten until it was polished, smooth and shiny and made into this perfect piece of art that will last a thousand years. That's what you are. You're in that process somewhere right now. Right now... You are being tried by the fire, my friend. Right now, you are being pulverized from your original position into something perfect, a perfect instrument of God on this earth. That's what we are here for. This place is a crucible, and it is intended to make you, mold you into the thing that is to enter into heaven, which cannot be done at your current state. So don't worry about your woes and your pains so much. They're there. They're supposed to be. Life ain't supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to be confusing and complicated and hard and heartbreaking and all the other things that go along with it. So take solace in that and know that your father has a plan. He wrote it in this book that we're going to be studying tonight. And if you'll stick with me, buddy, if you'll stay with me through it all, if you'll just make that kind of commitment to just stick with me and hear out what I got to say. I promise you I will bring you to the end of it with full and complete understanding of what it is your father intends, period. I hope that's the answer you were looking for because that's the only one I've got, and I hope it works. Hey, April, good to see you, sweetheart. Welcome to the show. Now let me scroll up and see what all I missed. God is needy. Well, he's not not needy. That's true. If we follow the 614 law, he would come to us. Smart thinking. Otherwise, it will be forced. True. Yes, not existing in human linear time and space would make all the difference. Well, that's where he's at. Bound to the earth. Yes. Lots of steps to make iron. 
most, I bet, can't or don't imagine. I would imagine very few people know where their iron comes from or how it got there. Likewise with just about anything else. They don't know where their iPhone came from either. They don't know why it works. They don't know how this microphone works that they use on podcasts so often. They just plug it in, and if it works, great. But they couldn't tell you it's magic. What's beyond this is all magic. They have no idea. So you're right about that. Hello, Jake and MBTV. Good to see you. Hello, ATL love. Wow, yes, lots of grinding. That's all about the grinding. You didn't realize you were already a member of Grinder, did you? Ha ah, dad joke. I'm terrible at jokes. I'm sorry. Hey, April, remember, you need anybody taken care of that's bothering you and can't deal with it yourself. You just call. Thank you. April, did you see that video that I shared earlier today that MVTV made for us? Thank you, says April. That means a lot to me all. I appreciate you truly. Love. Sanity and no fear. Go figure. Or in the process, question mark. I'll take that. Well, it's a good metaphor. It's a good uh, allegory for what's going on here with people. Because we came from the dust just like the ore, the iron ore. And it's a very similar process to get us to a righteous state as to get ore into iron. Very similar to that process. Even the Bible tells you you'll be tried by fire. It's a metaphor, but it means the same thing I just said. I will definitely remember. I hope I don't. But if I ever do, hon, you have my word. Yikes. Well said. Thank you. Thank you very much. April says, thanks so much. I'm late as usual. I apologize to you all for being tardy. No, you haven't seen the video yet? Well, you should check it out. It's pretty funny. He made us another one. In this one, I play Spock from Star Trek. I was hoping April would see it. Well, I can fix that. I'll play it for her. How about that? Something to see later than related to yesterday without the public relevant of details. Well, nobody needs to know the details. It's an inside joke. Those who see it will appreciate it for what it is. Those who know the inside joke will get it. I think. I got it. I understood what you meant. So here, let's try this. Let me find it. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one again. There we go. Uh, crap. Oh, here we go. I got it. The Elmo song. Copyright strike. Sorry. Hang on. Why ain't it playing? It's not going to play. It's going to be close. Ah, I got it.
Spock. Spock here. Scan us. And walk onto us. It's going to be close. Very, very close. Stand by. Stand by, Enterprise. Oh, it kept. Sickly. Honey, sweet. Stand by, Enterprise. Now, energize and detonate. Well, that was that. That was a roundabout uh, uh, a thank you and a roundabout a uh, appreciation. And maybe you got the joke if you were involved, and if you were not, then you didn't get it. So, that's something you don't know. Hmm, no comment. Hmm. All right. That's out of the way. Let's get down to some Bible study, shall we? Let's go down and open a book. Ooh, look at there. The great book of Leviticus, chapter 9, verse 22. If you are handy with a Bible and you got one close by, crack it open. And it reads, And Aaron lifted up his hand towards the people and blessed them and came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. They physically saw God show up at the tabernacle at this moment. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offerings and the fat. Which when all the people saw it, they shouted, and fell down on their faces. I would too, by the way. If I saw God and a fire came out from him and he consumed up a whole bunch of meat that was laying out, I, you bet your bottom dollar I'd be on my face. Hey, Kev, welcome to the show, buddy. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer. A censer is a container that's smaller than a hen. And smaller than an ephod.
and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered... Pay attention here. I want to read this again. I need you to hear what's happening here. Nadab and Abihu are Aaron's children. They are priests. Or they're, they're not the high priest. The high priest is Aaron. They're the priest beneath him. But they their job is to minister to the people God's words that are given to Aaron. And Aaron gives it to them and they go give it to the people. That's what their job is. So all the people are gathered at the tabernacle. And God Almighty appears before them in the flesh or whatever he's made of. There he is in all his glory. And a fire comes out from God to consume the burnt offerings, the peace offerings, and the wave offerings, and the heave offerings, and the sin offerings, to consume them as a gesture to the people that he accepts their sacrifice and has atoned their sins. And Nadab and Abihu took a container and grabbed some strange fire and brought it before the Lord and put strange incense in it so that it would smell funny. I guess they were playing a practical joke on God, being bullies. I don't know what they were doing. But they brought fire that was not from God to God with incense in it that was not from the tabernacle that was specifically labeled by God to be in the tabernacle, they brought something else and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. He didn't tell them to do that. They did it on their own accord. I think they were being smart alecks. I think they were trying to play a prank or being funny or sarcastic. Didn't It didn't uh, impress God too much. Because there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord and their father, by the way, who is Aaron the high priest. He burned them up right there on the spot. Why? Because they put strange fire before the Lord. Now, there's two ways to look at this. Where did that strange fire come from? Some scholars like to think that this is fire from a sacrifice to another god that they brought into the camp with them when they came. I don't know if that bears out in the text. I haven't seen evidence of that, what we've read so far. It may say something later, but from the way I see it, they were just doing something God told them not to do or didn't tell them to do. They were adding to the rituals that God is very specific about how to do all of this stuff, very specific so much so that it's recorded in this book in triplicate. It repeats itself three times at least in every detail. That's why it's so hard to get through these books. But these boys did something they shouldn't have done. They were more than likely just being boys, but God didn't think it was funny, and he burned them alive right in front of their family, right in front of their father, who, by the way, still has to work for God after watching his children get burned alive. So keep in mind that this is a serious thing we're talking about here. And there went out a fire from the Lord and, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, 
This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come near me. That's what God said. If you come near me, you better be sanctified. You better not be sporting any strange fire or incense. You better not be unclean. You better come to me with the utmost holiness in mind, sanctified and ready to receive me. Because if you don't, I'll burn you alive. That's what God said. That's what he meant. And this is Moses reminding Aaron, who I'm sure at this moment is distraught over the loss of his children. Moses says, God told you. This is what he told you. I will be sanctified in them that come near to me. And before all people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Of course he did, because he knew God was in the right. A little harsh, but in the right. This ain't no ordinary group of people. This is the chosen people of God in the tabernacle of God, his house, where he comes. You have to do it right. You have to be on your P's and Q's. You have to make every effort to follow his rules, or he'll burn you alive. This ain't playtime. We're not playing church here. This is God's house. And he meant what he said. So Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elazaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncles of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. Take these boys and get them out of sight. I'm pretty sure it's hard for Aaron to sit here looking at him. So take him out and bury him. Do what you got to do. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest you die. Don't show your mourning right now while God is here. Don't make a scene. Don't start mourning and running up and down, screaming and hollering. Don't rip your clothes. Don't uncover your head. Stay holy because God is still present. And if you make a scene, he's liable to kill you too. And lest the wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled let us all share in the mourning of the loss of your children. We're all here for you, but we can't do it right now. Right now, God is working. Right now, God's here. We're at the meeting. You can't do it right now. We will all share in the morning, but let's do it later. Right now, keep your peace. Keep your cool. Some people think they were under the influence of alcohol and were also considered ministers, thus boosting the blasphemy, disrespect, and lack of fear and reverence. Yes, there's many, many different theories as to what it went on, but the bottom line is they introduced fire into the sacrifice that didn't belong to the sacrifice. That's the bottom line. It wasn't part of the sacrifice. You know how we spent this whole book talking about how to prepare that meal, how to cook it, what to do with the ashes, what to do with the skin and the guts and the gallbladder and the liver and all that stuff. They put fire in there that didn't belong there. 
It wasn't part of the sacrifice, which made it a blasphemous act. This is not only fire, but incense. That was not the incense, which is frankincense, by the way, that God said to put in the tabernacle. It wasn't that. It was something else. And God didn't like it. That's the bottom line. Now, why he didn't like it, we could speculate all night. But the bottom line is they did something they shouldn't have done, and he killed them for it. And now, while they're in the midst of preparing to receive God, they have to deal with the fact that two of his sons are dead while doing all of this. In other words, the show must go on. You must remain professional. Even if your mother dies, you still got to show up and go on stage. That's just your job. That's what you're contracted to do. That's what you got to do. That's what I did. That's what Aaron's doing. You understand? It ain't about you right now. It's about God. Which also, by the way, plays into your question a little bit if you think about it. It's part of that. It's part of what's going on here. <laughs> Man, to see that happen right in front of you, yes. I'm sure it was uh, equal parts terrifying and infuriating. I mean, they only just started following this God, you know. Well, they've been following him, but they just learned about him a couple of years ago when they were in Egypt. They only learned about him in wholesale. I mean, they heard whispers, but they had forgotten all about who their father was. They've been in, they were slaves for 450 years. They, uh, the people that were alive didn't know who God was. So when he came for them, they knew the name, but that's it. They didn't know any of the rules. So that whole 40 years in the desert was about teaching them the rules. This is part of that. They're in the desert right now during that 40-year period, which, by the way, none of the ones who left Egypt will be alive when they reach the promised land, but their children will be. None of these people are allowed to go because they were so stiff-necked and so stubborn and couldn't learn. They could not adjust to what God was teaching them. So rather than destroy all of them, he just said, I'll breed you out. Your children will reach it, but you won't. You'll all die before you get there. So we had them walk in circles for 40 years in the desert. They weren't 10 miles away from where they were going. Or I'm not sure exactly how far, but... I'm using that as an example of absurdity. They were very close to where they were going, but they didn't get there for 40 years because they were walking in circles around that mountain. And they never realized it. And their shoes never wore out. And their feet never got tired. God made sure to take care of them, but they walked until they all died. And their children were there. So they went right on into the promised land. The only one remaining was Moses, and he died before they crossed, but he got to see it. He was the only one that got to see it. And it's because of his sin that he didn't get to go. So go figure. <coughs> yes, we have 2,000-plus years of knowing. Correct. They did not. They were just now getting it. And you shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation lest you die. Stay inside. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. You are right now, you have been anointed and you have been uh, uh, sanctified and you have been hallowed. 
and ready to receive God. So do not walk outside the tabernacle lest the filth of the world get on you and taint the anointing that you have. You have been cleansed, so get on with the meeting and let God come in and do his thing, and we'll deal with it later. <laughs> and they did according to the word of Moses, of course, because Moses knows what he's talking about. Did Moses go to heaven, though, eventually, or is he still awaiting judgment day? Everyone is still awaiting judgment day. Judgment hasn't happened yet. Did Moses go to heaven? I don't know. I'll tell you why. Because Moses' bones were never found. So I don't know if God took him while he was yet alive or after he died. But the devil was awful interested in his bones, and he looked everywhere for them, even started a war over them but they were nowhere to be found because God took them. So for everyone else in the world, when you die, you instantly go back to the Father who gave you, gave your spirit, which means you are with the Father after you die, shortly after you die, instantly after you die. But there are a couple of people who didn't die the way we die. Enoch was one of them, Elijah was one of them, and possibly Moses but it's a possibly, this is my opinion. There's no fact to back this up. Do with that as you will. Just know that the bones of Moses were of some contention and they were never found. So he either left in body or God took his bones after he died, one or the other. I believe Moses had a special fate due to his service. And I'm sure you're right about that. As a matter of fact, there's a good possibility he'll be one of the two witnesses at the end times who come back and preach the word for three days and spit fire, metaphorically speaking, meaning they're, you know, white-pilling everybody with their words. Uh, And then they'll be killed in the streets, and at that time they will die. It's an educated guess that that would be Elijah and Enoch, but it could be Elijah and Moses. I think Moses was when Jesus went up in the uh, transfigured in the in in the mountain before the sermon went up and spoke to the two people. I think Moses was one of those two people. So these are all just educated guesses. Do with it as you will. It's not an issue of salvation, but it's an interesting thought process. So discuss. Damn! Imagine Moses wading into Congress in the White House with blazing vengeance. It's going to happen one day. Believe that. He may not go to the White House, but he'll be walking around Jerusalem spitting some fire for sure. And the Lord spake unto Aaron. This is interesting. The Lord usually talks to Moses. So apparently God's got some talking to do to Aaron. Saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. And that may be right there why people think that the boys were drunk. Because that was what God told Aaron and his sons. Don't get drunk while you're in the tabernacle, or I'll kill you. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. 
and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. This is God being a little hard on Aaron because apparently his boys didn't know the difference because what they did was both unholy and unclean, according to God. And they are priests. They should have known better, but they didn't. So now he's making a point of it and making a law about it. From this day forward for all your generation, all the Levites are to put a difference between holy and unholy, between clean and unclean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord hath spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. And Moses spake unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left. So he had four sons. Take the meat offering that remaineth of the offerings of the Lord made by fire and eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. And ye shall eat it in the holy place, because it is thy due, and thy son's due, of the sacrifices of the Lord made by fire. For so I am commanded. Meaning, I know it sucks, but you got to eat. So go eat. That's your due. That's what's afforded to you and your children. So go eat it. You're going to have a little more than you had yesterday because you're down two sons, but do your best. <laughs> and the wave breast and the heave shoulder shall ye eat in a clean place. Thou and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, for they be thy due and thy sons due, which are given out for the of the sacrifices of peace offerings for the children of Israel. The heave shoulder and the wave breast shall they bring with the offerings made by fire of the fat to wave it for a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be thine and thy sons with thee by a statute forever as the Lord hath commanded. So right here, God has given Aaron a special providence. He's saying that regardless of what happens from now on, you and your children will always be fed first from this particular portion of meat. And it's a good portion. It's the breast and the thigh, basically. It's what everybody wants on their plate. And Moses diligently sought the goat for a sin offering, and behold, it was burnt. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, which were left alive, saying, Wherefore have ye not eaten the sin offering in the holy place, seeing it is most holy? Well, apparently, MBTV, they did ignore it. They did wait. Because they were told to do something, and they haven't done it yet. And God hath given it you to bear the iniquity of the congregation. It's not just about you. Ithamar, it's not just about you, Eleazar. It's about all of us. You are to do this thing for all of us. It's your responsibility. That's the separation from children and men. You have a job to do. Get to doing it already because we're all counting on you. And if you don't do your job, you become the weak link in the chain. And the chain can't be strong with a weak link. So get to work. 
He's given this to you to bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord. Behold, the blood of it was not brought in within the holy place. You should indeed have eaten it in the holy place as I commanded. Why, why did you not eat it? Because you're down two sons? Because you were full? Stuff it in and puke it up later. Get it eaten. That's what you were told to do by God. Eat the holy food. And Aaron said unto Moses, Behold, this day have they offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. And if I had eaten the sin offering today, should it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? And when Moses heard that, he was content. Basically, what Aaron said was, I lost two children today. Had I eaten this today, would it be accepted? Yes. Well, certain things have befallen me today, so excuse me if I didn't get to my responsibility. I'll try better tomorrow. Maybe the Lord will understand. Clearly he does because Aaron and his two children left are still alive. So there you have it. You do, in fact, have a wise and understanding father who can see when you're in pain, who can tell when what's expected of you isn't easy for you to do, who understands that you're human above all and that cer certain things are difficult for humans. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof, and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall ye eat. Now, do you know what a hoof is that parts like a deer? Have you ever seen a deer print? It's got two clear delineations, two single hooves. That's the hoof that is parted. Cloven-footed is like a pig. It's a little different than a hoof. Chewing the cud is like a cow. That's when they, they have a salt that regurgitates and they chew on it. They swallow their food, but then it comes back up in the form of a clump and they chew on it again. So they digest it twice. That's chewing the cud. Or of them that divide the hoof. As the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. So he doesn't fit the bill, which is why people don't eat camel. I, I skipped one. I'm sorry. Nevertheless, ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that divide the hoof as the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but he divideth the hoof. So if it chews the cud, it's fine. But if it chews the cud and does not have parted hooves or cloven foot, you can't eat it. This is a simple way to put this. If it's a scavenger, you can't eat it. If it's not a scavenger, if it's a beast of burden, then you can eat it. Or if it's a beast of the field, like a deer, you can eat it. Antelope, elk, you can eat those things. You cannot eat coyotes. You cannot eat pigs. You cannot eat 
crabs. You cannot eat lobsters. Why? Because they are scavengers. They are the bugs of the sea. They are here to clean the earth. It's the earth's self-cleaning system. If you eat them all up, then there's nothing to eat the dead things on the earth, and then everything becomes putrid and everybody dies. See how that works? This is why. Thank God we have an overabundance of swine. That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> and the coney, which is like a, I think it's like a goat of some kind. I really don't know what a coney is. Doesn't matter. You're not going to find one today. And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the hare, which is a rabbit, by the way, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean to you. So don't eat hares. And the swine, though he divided the hoof and be cloven hoofed or footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, so he's unclean to you. Of their flesh shall ye not eat, and their carcasses shall ye not touch. They are unclean to you. Can this be more clear? Do you understand? Are you clear on this fact? that scavengers are for a different reason on earth than eating. There are animals provided for you to eat. There are animals that you should not even touch because they're scavengers. They deal in the dead. You wouldn't eat a buzzard because he pukes. He doesn't shit, he pukes. And he eats dead flesh. So you wouldn't want to eat that thing. You wouldn't want to eat a pig either because they'll eat anything, even you. However, bacon is delicious, and I realize that a lot of us are sinning and are going to continue to do so. I'm not here to judge you. I eat bacon, too. But the Bible is very clear on this subject. The rabbit is a surprise, but they do have paws, as animals on paws are off limits. Well, that's what it says. Well, it, it omits that. It doesn't actually say it, but they don't have hooves. So, yes, you're right. This is amazing. This teaching Bible I have is worded different. But this is an entire specific list of what life forms are for eating and whatnot. I should have read this. It's intriguing. Yes. So, pork chops, bacon, and things that eats nasty stuff, bottom feeders, you can't eat, or you should not eat them. That's correct. Again, there's a lot of us sinning right now because some of that catfish, some of that pork is delicious. Why should scavengers taste so good? Dadgummit. Well, that's between you and God. I tried quitting pork. I quit for 10 years. I didn't eat any pork. And I survived quite well, but I missed bacon. And bacon is the thing that did me in. I ultimately went back to it because of bacon. But once you've reached the age of accountability, that means that you can think beyond your own self and see the rationale behind an order or, or, or a, a commandment and understand the consequences of that should you do it. You are then at the age of accountability, and once you reach the age of accountability, ignorance is no longer uh, a way out. 
you can't claim ignorance once you understand. So now you have to make a decision, is what I'm saying. That's between you and God. That's in your time. But just know that the Bible is very clear and precise on what you should and should not put in your body. It, Catholics are okay with it as long as it's not Fridays. <laughs> Do I remember that right? I have no idea. I'm not a Catholic. I know that I wouldn't listen to anything they said. <laughs> you know my feelings on the Catholics. All right, let's continue. These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters. Yep, the water too. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the water or in the seas or in the rivers, you can eat that. If it has fins and scales, you can eat it. If it does not, you cannot. All that have not fins and scales in the seas and the rivers of all that move in the waters and of any living thing which is in the water, they shall be an abomination unto you. They shall be even an abomination unto you. Ye shall not eat of their flesh. Does that sound like a commandment? But ye shall have their carcasses in abomination. Listen, I think God's pretty serious about the sea because he didn't say this about land animals. But he, he, he said it, but he didn't say it as emphatically. This is indefatigable. God says, you shall not eat anything in the water that doesn't have fins and scales. I gave you fish to eat. You can eat that. Don't eat anything else or you're an abomination. Look up the word abomination if you want to know what that means. Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the water, that shall be an abomination unto you. This says it three times. God is pretty serious about this. Three times it says it. Abomination, 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 right here in a row. One, two, three, there it is. 11, 11, and 11, 12, it says it three times in two verses. Don't eat sea scavengers. Stay away from the shellfish is what I'm saying. And these are they which ye shall have in abomination among the fowl. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. Are you ready? The eagle, the ossifrage, or the osprey. No, ostrich. Or the osprey. Or the vulture. Or the kite after his kind. Got it? Don't eat eagles. Don't eat birds of prey, basically. Or vultures, which are buzzards in the south. Or a kite, whatever that is. Don't eat it. I would imagine it's a bird of prey, so don't eat it. Every raven after his kind. Don't eat ravens either. And the owl. And the night hawk. And the cacao. 
and the hawk after his kind. Or the little owls. Those are the ones that stay on the ground in Florida. You know, the little pesty ones. Don't eat those either. Or the cormorant. Or the great owl. Or the swan. Or the pelican. Or the gear eagle. Or the stork. Or the heron after her kind. And the lapwig, or the bat. Don't eat bats either. All of these things are filthy. They're not to be eaten. Don't partake in these animals. All fowls that creep, going upon all fours, shall be an abomination unto you. Well, birds don't go on all fours. They only have two legs. Have you ever heard of a griffin? or a dragon, according to the class of living things in the Bible. If it swims, it's a fish. If it flies, it's a fowl. I think God knows what he's talking about. Yes, our science of today classifies these things as different animals. But our science is flawed unbelievably bad and is to not be trusted. So throw that argument out the window. I don't care what uh, class, phylum, I don't even remember the order, kingdom, class, phylum, uh, whatever, species. I don't care about all that. After their kind, if it flies, it's a bird, period. So there, don't eat those things. Yet these things... May ye eat of every flying, creeping thing that goeth upon all four, which have legs above their feet, to leap with all upon the earth. Even these of them ye may eat, the locust after his kind, the bald locust after his kind, and the beetle after his kind, and the grasshopper after his kind. Yes, you can eat those bugs. That would probably include cicadas and, and uh, uh, crickets and ants, that sort of thing, because they have four feet. Now, I know what you're thinking. They don't have four feet. They have six feet. Wrong. Look at a spider. How many feet does a spider have? You're going to say six, right? You're wrong. It has four. It also has two hands. Look at it. Four legs go that way. Two legs go that way. Six or eight, depending on the spider. So God, in his wisdom, says that anything that comes out of the torso is a leg, and anything that comes out of the upper torso is an arm. So if you look at an ant, it has four legs. And two arms, or four arms. I don't remember if they have six or eight legs, but you get my point. So that's what he's talking about. You can eat those bugs. So when the scientists say you're going to eat bugs and like it, just know it's not a sin. It's probably gross, but it's not a sin. You can eat those bugs and like it. But all other flying 
creeping things which have four feet shall be an abomination unto you. If it flies and creeps, don't eat it. But if it jumps and creeps, you can eat it. Hey, there's Ricky again. Welcome, Mr. Fruce. Hey, you Billy Cat Carry. Did I miss one? They called Elvis that. Really? Hillbilly Cat, carry on. They called Elvis. Oh, you're referring to me as Elvis. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. And for these ye shall be unclean. Whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until evening. So anytime you touch anything dead, you are unclean until evening. So... I would advise you to immediately wash your hands thoroughly and try to remove any bacteria from your hands before you touch anything else. If you touch something that's dead, there's a reason for this. God made it so even back then because there's a reason for this, and now we have germ theory so we can kind of understand the reason behind it. God knew about it back then. So you now have a full list of what you can and cannot eat that will be good for you. Now, again, let me stress this. This is my opinion, but it's a solid fact of an opinion. It's a well-educated guess, okay? None of these are salvation issues. These are not sins that will put you in hell. They may be sins that make God not like you very much. They may be sins that make you not righteous. But they are not sins that will damn you to hell. These are sins of the flesh, not sins of the soul. There is a difference. That's my opinion. Take that if you believe it to be true and live your life by it if you believe it to be true. If not, show me where I'm wrong, and I want to learn too. Whosoever beareth any of the carcasses of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. So if you pick up anything dead, bear it. You not only need to wash yourself, but your clothing too, and be unclean until evening, meaning don't touch anything or anybody until evening because you're dirty. Nobody on earth is righteous. That's correct. But all of us are supposed to try to be. It's, it's the trying that matters. I noticed no mention of things that walk on two legs, probably blasphemy, so great it doesn't bear a mentioning. Well, I think it's obvious you're not supposed to eat people. Amen. But the Bible does say that. It does say not to eat the flesh of people. Rather, it says it in a manner of speaking. Uh, there are groups of people that do that, that eat flesh, and God has them all killed. So I guess it says it in a roundabout way. It don't come right out and say it, I don't think, but it does say it in a manner of speaking. Just asking that Catholic thing, what do I know? Well, you're no longer Catholic. I dub you by the power invested in me by God Almighty in the state of North Carolina. I dub you untethered, my friend. You are no longer Catholic. Let it out of you. You are now the denomination of untethered meaning you are not 
bound or conscripted by any denomination or ideology. You read the Bible and you believe it to be true. That's that. No other necessary name applied. If you must name it, call it the Church of God because that's what it is. Not the people Church of God, the actual Church of God. Because there's a denomination called that too, but we're not talking about those people. <clears throat> the carcasses of every beast which divideth the hoof and is not cloven-footed nor cheweth the cud are unclean unto you. Everyone that toucheth them shall be unclean. Doesn't say they have to be dead, by the way. Yeah, it does. It says carcasses. I'm sorry. My bad. Don't talk out of turn, Jake. I was reading that one sentence. I should have read the sentence before it. Sorry. See, even I make mistakes. I catch them, though, as quickly as I can. And whatsoever goeth upon his paws among all manner of beasts that go on all fours, those are unclean unto you. Whoso toucheth their carcass shall be unclean until evening. That means don't eat dogs or cats or rabbits or squirrels. Man, I am so in trouble. <laughs> and he that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. They are un unclean unto you. These also shall be unclean unto you among the creeping things that creep upon the earth, the weasel, the mouse, the tortoise after his kind. Everybody in Louisiana is going to hell. <laughs> there it was. Can't eat turtle soup. And the ferret and the chameleon and the lizard and the snail and the mole. Don't eat those things either. I've never eaten any of that. Phew, says April. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Notice that none of those are insects, which is what you imagine when you hear the word creepeth and crawleth. You think insect. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about lizards and snails and moles and rats and ferrets and tortoises and weasels and chameleons and anteaters probably. Don't eat those either. That's just because they're creepy. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whosoever doth touch them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. And what do you do when you're unclean? You wash your body and you wash your clothes and you don't touch anybody or anything until evening. That's 12 hours. Give plenty of time for those bacterias to get off of you. Yes, because they beat all the fleas and mites. Maybe so, yeah. That might be why. Because those things are known to carry diseases, by the way. And upon, whoso, upon whatsoever any of them, when they are dead, doth fall, it shall be unclean. That means if they fall on a rug, that rug is unclean. You have to then wash it. So don't let that dead body touch anything, period. Any dead body. That's a better policy. Don't touch anything that's dead. 
period. Whether it be any vessel of wood or raiment or skin or sack, whatsoever vessel it be, wherein any work is done, it must be put into water, and it shall be unclean until evening, so it shall be cleansed. Anything, any pot or pan or anything you cook with or anything you use as a tool, anything you use to tote stuff around with, anything you wear, anything you have, if it touches something dead, you need to put it in water and cleanse it immediately, and then it stays unclean until evening. You treat it like that, like a loaded gun. You don't touch it until evening. Ticks almost worse than the damn snakes, but none ever bite me for some reason. I heard that. Mm. And every earthen vessel, these are uh, pots made out of stone, uh, where where into any of them falleth, whatsoever it is, shall be unclean, and ye shall break that pot. Why? Why can't you wash an earthen vessel? Do you know why? <coughs> I'll give you a hint. They named a disease after it. It probably ain't helping you any. It's got little pores all over it. And uh, anytime you have a stone vessel... It's got little microscopic pores all over it that you can't wash out because you can't get a rag in it to wash it out. So if anything dead touches it, that bacteria gets in those little pores and you can't clean it. So it is now tainted. This is before soap and antibacterial stuff and hot water. So, you know, obviously, you break the pot and start over. That's the best policy. If you get blood in it or if it touches anything unclean, it's unclean and you can't clean it. So just break it and move on. Of all the meat which may be eaten, that on which such water cometh shall be unclean, and all drink that may be drunk in every such vessel shall be unclean. So if it happens to fall on something that contains liquid, that liquid is no good anymore. you got to pour it out. Notes from this teaching. Ticks, almost worse than, yeah, I got you. Notes from this teaching, I got you. Everything whereupon any part of their carcass falleth shall be unclean, whether it be oven or ranges for pots. That's a stove, by the way. They shall be broken down, for they are unclean. They shall be unclean unto you. You can't use it anymore. Throw it away. Nevertheless, a fountain or pit wherein they, there is plenty of water, shall be clean, but that which touches their carcass shall be unclean. So if a dead thing falls into your well, you need to close the well. You can't drink it anymore. But if it falls into a river, the river will cleanse itself. You see the difference? Anywhere there's plenty of water or moving water, like a fountain, this word is pit, but it means lake, you know, movable water. Anywhere there's abundance of water, the dead thing will it will it'll be cleaned. You can drink out of that still. But if it falls into a well that is sitting water or a cistern, you can't use it anymore. It's damaged. So you got to start over. Close it off. Dig a new one. And if any part of their carcass fall upon any sowing seed, which is to be sown, it shall be clean. That means it won't hurt it because a seed is contained within a pod. doesn't come out of the pod until you plant it. So the, and the, the pod isn't part of the tree. 
or the thing that grows, so it's clean. So don't worry about that. Your seeds won't be contaminated. But if any water be put upon that seed, and any part of their carcass fall thereon, it shall be unclean. Why? Because when you put water on a seed, it germinates. That means it cracks open, and then the germs can get inside. Then what's inside the seed will be contaminated, which when it grows, it'll be contaminated and make you sick. So therefore, if you if it's wet seeds, you can't use it. Unclean. If any beast of which ye may eat die, he that toucheth the carcass thereof shall be unclean until evening. That goes for you, dear hunters. You're unclean until evening, regardless of what you do, because you touched all the blood and guts and all that stuff while you were cleaning the deer. He that eateth of the carcass of it shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also that beareth the carcass of it shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. So if you killed it or if you towed it out of the woods, you're unclean. Or if you eat it, you're unclean. Every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Period. We're talking spiders and stuff. Whatsoever goeth upon the belly, like a snake or a monitor lizard or a, uh, what do you call those? They call them dragons, but there's another name for them. Those big lizards that are on that island. You know what I'm talking about? Is that a monitor lizard? It might be. Big, if it, or crocodile. That's another one. Whatsoever goeth upon all four, or whatsoever hath more feet among all creeping things that creepeth upon the earth, them you shall not eat. That's a centipede, by the way. For they are an abomination. Don't eat snakes. Don't eat crocodiles. Don't eat dragons or wyverns or anything weird. Just don't eat it. Komodo dragon, that's the thing. Thank you. Couldn't remember that to save my life. Ye shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creepeth. Neither shall ye make yourselves unclean with them, that you should be defiled thereby. So eating a snake or a spider will defile you. It's not good for you. Don't do it. Then he follows that up by saying, For I am the Lord your God. Period. I know that's not a period. That is a colon, but you get my point. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, period. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy, says God. That's where we're going to stop for today, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic that read was. I hope that you learned a lot from it. I hope that you got a lot out of it. And I hope that you change your eating habits because you're a filthy, filthy beast you are. No, you're not. Just, you know, all things in moderation, even in moderation. Don't eat rattlesnakes. That's right. This last line that we just read is why we're here. Everything in the Bible... Every story in the Bible boils down to this sentiment. I will be your God and you will be my people. Low Amy, my Amy. 
I want to provide you with my Shabbat or my resting place, my place of sanctuary, my peace, my love, Shabbat. Loami, Miami. I will be your God. You will be my people. That's what God wants. That's why we were created. That's what this is all about. All of it. It's about brotherly love. It's about kinmanship. It's about belonging to your Father. It's about finding peace in your Creator. It's about understanding your trajectory in the world before you and the reason you were put here to make that choice, good and evil. It's about free will. It's about choosing the path of light of your own free will. That's the best I can do. And I hope that you understand and follow that teaching because it is the most important thing you will ever hear in your life, ever. I hope that that touched you. I hope you learned a lot. While you're pondering upon all those fancy words, won't you do me a favor and hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online when my new videos drop. And smash that like button. It's free. It's right in front of you. It takes no effort at all, and it really does help the channel with the algorithms. Helps us get recommended to other people. Won't you do that? Share this video with somebody you love. Hey, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into our family. Make them part of the fold. Let's be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. What do you say? Leave comments down below. Let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid, make your own Kool-Aid. As long as you're thinking critical, that's what I want. Critical thought coming from your brain. That's what I'm after. And if you love the Word of God, you can see the value of what I'm trying to build here and you'd like to be part of that. Or if God puts upon you to send your tithes, offerings, or love offerings to the place where you're taught, or if you just want to pat me on the back and say, hey, good job, Jake, I got you back. You can do that. You can support my work by going to paypal.me slash Jake Johnson Band. Or if you use Cash App, you can go to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing for me. It's a blessing for you, too, because God notices these things. We live in a reciprocal universe. You know, ask and you shall be answered. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Give and you shall receive, but you have to initiate. That's the crux in the plan. You have to get it started, get the ball rolling by showing your willingness to be obedient, and then God will pour his blessings upon you. It says in the Bible, he'll open the windows of heaven before you. Try him and see if he ain't telling you the truth. Let God prove to you that his words are true. And with that, I personally will do everything in my power to be worthy of your confidence and your support, and I want to answer every single question that your mind can muster without fail. So let it be. Q&A. Atanada. I don't know what that word means, but I like it. Bible state these are also to keep his people to avoid the ungodly lifestyles of other societies. Yep. Well said, Jake. Thank you, man. <coughs> I'll still send threatening rattlesnakes to hell uncooked, if fine with me. Yeah. I'm finding the Bible totally different than what I expected, glimpsed of, or imagined 
in over 60 years. That's fantastic news, MVTV. I'm grateful to hear that. It's my pleasure to bring it to you the way it's supposed to be. Book, chapter, verse, explanation, understanding. That's the moniker that we live by at this channel, and that is the only way I teach. Word for word, the way God wrote it, the way he intended it, and trusting you to understanding. And I'm grateful that it's not what you thought it was because it wasn't what I thought it was either. There's a whole lot of things I thought that were not in the Bible or things that I didn't think that were in the Bible. And somebody got some wires crossed somewhere because they taught me some weird traditions of men growing up. And I'm here to tell you it ain't like that. It's a whole lot simpler than people are making it. And churches basically use hell to fill pews with afraid people. That ain't what the Bible does. Amen. Yes, says April. Hit that like button. Good study. Very good. And thanks, J&A, for making me moderately sane during the storm these next days. We love you, MBTV. Anytime we can help. Just say the word. April says, love y'all. Come on in. Sunday, Monday Bible study for the best inspiring words from our Father God. Amen, sister. And the best teacher, Jake. We love you, true. Well, thank you for that compliment. I appreciate it. I'm hardly the best, but I'm trying. Thank you for seeing it that way. Or at least saying it to make me feel good. I've always somehow carried a Bible, even here with limited cargo space and half my stuff still in Helena. Because of this, I actually opened it for the first time in my life. Whatever that's worth, let me tell you that's worth all the money in the world. I can't think of a value I could put on the fact that you opened it for the first time in your life and looked for yourself. That's what I want you to do. Sure, let me be your guide. Let me make the complicated stuff easy. But always prove me right. Always look for yourself. You don't listen to any man, especially this one. Men do not have the answer. Men are grasping at straws just like you are. Men have no more capability of saving you than you have of saving yourself. Men can no more bring you before God than you can yourself. The only man that could was Jesus, and he's been dead for 2,000 years. So, trust me when I tell you, you can inform your own relationship with your father. All you have to do is start by knowing there's something bigger than you. There's something more than you out here. You are not God, which means someone else is. <laughs> And once you know that, once you know that it's not all about you, then you can begin to see the world for what it actually is. Something to be pitied. Something to be understood. Something to be conformed with. You have to change the world. You have to make it better because it's not good on its own. The world and everything in it has fallen. It's all bad. Every bit of it. Every ounce of this world has fallen which means it's not righteous. 
and we're put here, and we are to be in it, but not of it. We have to be here, but we don't have to partake in the weirdness. We don't have to be part of the strangeness and the abominations. We can live by ourselves in our own communities that we fortify for God and leave all that stuff out the gate. That's what Aaron's sons did. They brought that world inside the gate of the holiest place on planet Earth, and God didn't like it. <coughs> Actually reading it, too. Amen, brother. You keep on reading it. And if you can't bring yourself to do that, I'll read it for you. Just show up. If you'll just show up, that's half the battle right there. I'll do the rest for you. Or you can do it yourself. And I'll praise you along the way because you deserve it. Because it takes a real man to spend time in the Word. It takes a real man to follow the Word of your Father, to understand it, to make the effort to come halfway. That's all he's asking. He's already come the other halfway by writing the book and leaving it here for you and keeping it preserved so that you can have a copy of it. So you have it. Now it's your turn. So you're doing the right thing. It's all in the presentation for sure. Maybe. I think it's all in the words. It's all I'm doing is reading them. I'm not doing anything special. I don't even have a soothing voice. I'm just here doing the work, which is what's important, I think. I think you're supposed to do the work. You're supposed to testify or something. It's like that old saying, join the war, fight. But if you can't fight, you can carry bullets. If you can't carry bullets, you can make sandwiches. You can do something to contribute to the effort which is the war at hand, and this war is a spiritual war. So I think doing the work is what's necessary. Oops, I'm sorry, MBTV. I removed because I said your name. Huh? Oh. Horror. We love you too, April. Electronic curse follows me. That's for sure. Falling fast. Embracing aberrations. Celebrating the most horrible blasphemies. And that coming from a totally non-religious viewpoint from last year. Well, all you got to do is look around for a little while to really believe that there's a such thing as evil. And I'm here to tell you that if there's a such thing as evil, there's a such thing as good, which is proof of God. And all you got to do is look at what they're doing in Hollywood right now and on the news and all the stuff that's going on around the world to know that there is a wicked, wicked hand at work in America today. Something really bad is going on right now. We are smack dab in the middle of the tribulation. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it's been going on since 1948. I believe that's when it started. And I believe we're right in the swing of things in Everything that's in the Bible is coming to pass one after another just like it's written. Just wait. All you got to do is wait. It'll keep coming. I don't know how long we got. I don't know how long it'll take. 
could be, uh, I would imagine it's going to be a lot longer than it reads. It reads like it'll happen instantly, but I don't think that's the case. I think it happens over a period of time, and I think that's the way the world works. So we may have another 100 years or so. Who knows? But I'm telling you we're in the process of it right now. You can look around and prove me wrong, or you'll find out I'm right, one or the other. One or the other. But trust me, we're in the tribulation. We're being tribulated right now. So, what do you do about that? Well, it's time to get right with God. That's what you do about it. It's the only thing you can do about it. April says, I was thinking of your privacy. I just realized that, but tell me otherwise. Oh, I don't care about any of that. No worries. I have no privacy problems, says MVTV. He deserves a blue hammer. Hmm. True. I can make bombs. I told you so, Jake. You did it. Congratulations. What did I do? And what did you tell me? Molotov cocktails are easy. Yes, they are. All you need is a little alcohol and a rag and a lighter. Mm. That is to never be done, YouTube. Don't ever make a Molotov cocktail. Don't even say the word. Mm -mm -mm. We are avidly against all things Second Amendment on this channel. And go get your vaccine immediately. <coughs> <coughs> Susan and all science is right <laughs> I always believed in evil believe I have seen it at times but things are speeding by faster and faster so many outrages you can't list them much less consider them that's true Yes, do not try that at home. Historical references only. Right. Listen, this world is most definitely speeding up. I've noticed it. You've noticed it. I'm sure everybody in the chat's noticed it. Things are going by real fast. Things are changing at an unprecedented rate. Technology is speeding out of control faster than we can even understand how to use it. So I'm telling you, it's coming to a head. And it's coming sooner than you'd like it to. I don't know how long we got. I don't know how long it's going to take. But I'm telling you it's coming. And you can write it down that I said so. And as the world gets worse and worse every year, you'll begin to believe it more and more as we go along if you don't believe it already. <laughs> right now, all you can do is get right with your maker. All you can do. Get right with your maker and put in the plan Put into action the plan of what's going to be your future in this universe. What is your future look like? Are you here? Are you with the rest of us? Because if you are, that means some things have got to change all the way around. You got to start thinking about your fellow man. You got to start thinking about righteousness. You got to start thinking about being wholesome and good because that's the people that are going to make it. The meek shall inherit the earth. And he's not talking about nerds. He's talking about humble people that have done the consideration for mankind. Everything Jesus taught can be boiled down into one sentence. Love thy neighbor as you love yourself. For if you truly love your neighbor, 
you will not break any of the Ten Commandments if you really love them. So love is the answer. Love is the salvation you're looking for. That's a whole lot less godly than it, preachers want to make it sound, but that's really the truth. Love. Unconditional love. Love even when you don't get it back. Love even when they hate you back. That's the way. That's the only way. So let's all come together in this congregation and love one another and be here for one another and be proud of what we're creating. But most of all, have our eyes fixed firmly on the heavens above and let nothing waver in our direction. And bring aboard everyone you can convince to come because it's important. Because we are at that place where it's time to start dividing the chaff from the wheat. It's time to start separating the boys from the men. It's time to start gathering the people that you're going to fight with. That's what time it is. And I do mean that spiritually, YouTube. I don't mean physically. We're not calling for violence here. We're talking about spiritual battle. Yes, do not try that. I read that one. I meant easy to draw or color in coloring books. Yeah, Molotov, I got you. Come on, you know, look in front of you. You got MVTV believing. Oh, I am looking. Believe me. I'm looking and I'm taking score. I would testify. Two near-death crashes in the last two years. Then I got dropped in this ranch almost like I'm supposed to bear witness or prepare help others. That may be exactly why you're there, MVTV. You have the room. So help others. Do what you can do. And you know how you can help? You can help me. You can help me spread the word. You can help this ministry get bigger by showing people to the door. You can be an usher for God. Try that. I'm not calling you to work. I'm just telling you it's, it's an option that's available to you should you want it. Because we are ripe for the growing. But it's going to take a team. I can't do it all by myself. Matter of fact, I can't do any of it. All I can do is teach. Because that's the deal I made. I can't promote this channel. I can't push it like crack rock. I can't ask people to come beyond my own means. I can put it on my Facebook, but I can't go buy advertising spots, and I can't talk about it in media, and I can't go ask people from other channels to come in. Why? Because that would make me a televangelist, and that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be truthful and give an account of God's Word that is correct while being entertaining. Because somebody needs to speak the truth in this world we live in, and nobody's doing it. So here I am trying. So it will literally take God to bring the people to me. I can't go to them because I'm not trying to pad my pockets with their money. That's not to say I don't need money, but I assume God will provide it if I need it. There it is. Oh, well, let's see. At times, 
Seems we're in fast forward. Then I feel like we're stuck in slow mode. In play by play. And it seems like all around. Then someone is messing with time and Mother Nature. Yeah, that's how the end works. We are spiraling. I'm looking at it as a, not a mission, but a duty. I wanted it. Here it is. Make it work. And be ready to accept and protect others if things go really bad. Amen, brother. And that's what you should be doing. I agree, April. April says, I feel it is time for sure. Amen. It is time. It's time that we come together. It's time that we lock arms and stand tall as a group, as a community, as a congregation, whatever you want to call it. We are the flock of God. He included. So, however you want to look at that, that's it's time. Because the world is going to hell in a handbasket and it's going fast. Heck yeah, woohoo. Keep your head up, people. Wake up, world. Hey, American Justice of Texas. Amen. Welcome to the show, sweetie. Hadn't seen you in a long time. Good to have you here. There has to ones that want to learn. Amen. Hello, Ajot. Love. Good to see you. MVTV says, I hear you. By the scruff of the neck, I wish for some I know who need it, but must be personal and voluntary. That is correct. But you can tell them it's here. It's their, it's their decision whether they come or not. But you can tell them that it exists. Because they don't know it exists. The reason that I am not the most famous teacher in the world is because nobody knows I exist. That's the reason. I'm teaching the stuff that have been taught for generations by the biggest names in history. Same stuff. The reason I'm not out there being a billionaire is because nobody knows I exist. That's why I left it in God's hands. I can't go out there and get it because that makes me the guy going after the fame. I can't be that guy. I cannot put myself in a position where it's my job to make me popular. You understand? Because if I do, that taints the message. The message is what's important. It's God's words. It's not my words. I'm messaging for him. I'm shilling for God which means I have to deliver his message the way he intended it to man from God. I'm just a middleman. So if I go out and try to make myself famous so that I can get the word spread, I'm corrupting the message because that becomes more important than the word. The, the crubbiness, the wanting the money and the wanting the popularity and the showing up on different channels and, you know, I could do all that stuff. But I can't do it in this context because this is what's important, that I say what God says truthfully and honestly and directly, and the people that need it should come. So I put it in God's hands. I say, Lord, and I pray this before every single episode, if you want them to hear it, then you got to bring them to it. I'll say it. I'll do the work. But you got to open the door before I can walk through it. Every episode, I make that prayer. Because it's important. <clears throat> I hear you. Oh, I read that one. Howdy, American Justice, says MVTV. 
Hello, MBTV says American Justice. But you can reach people. I, I can reach them, but they got to be in reach. I can't go looking for them is what I'm saying. Because if I do, there's me corrupting the message. And I can't be in the way. I need to stay out of my own way is what I'm saying. I know this because I am an entertainer. And that's what I do for a living is go out and be popular. Right? I'm the life of the party. I go out and party down and bring the house down every night and there's a full crowd and you know my job is to flirt and be happy and make people happy and make them want to come back for more and all that stuff but we're talking about a different type of entertaining here this is me giving out god's word so god needs to be the rock star not me this ain't about me this is about him so i'm trying to stay out of the way if that makes any sense it's the only thing that not only makes sense, but feels most right. Amen, MVTV. I've been sick, sweetheart, but I've been lurking. I'm so sorry you're sick. Is there anything we can do for you? Do you need anything? I'll say a prayer. I hope that'll help. But if you need anything physical, let us know. We'll do the best we can. She's my sister in all stream yards. Much love. Much love and respect, April Rain. That's sweet. I'm glad you guys made friends. I hope you stay friends. I also believe in a godly butterfly effect. I could ride a train upon one podcast could save a life. Yeah, I believe in that too. Be right back. Kevin's calling me. Well, go take care of your man. Stand by your man. Show the world you love him. By the way, have you guys watched George and Tammy on uh, Showtime? That's a good show. If you if you hadn't seen it, go watch it. It's wonderful. It's a story about George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Understood, says AJ. Thank you. I'm working on a book at the insane things I've witnessed. And this may be an important angle. Angle? Angel? Angle? Hmm. Hell, possible trigger effect or fuel or some kind. Thinking out loud. I love thinking out loud. That's what I do. Think out loud. <laughs> I try to remove the filter, you know, and just let whatever's in my head come out of my mouth and trust that God put it there, you know. I have no way of knowing that, but I, I prepare myself the best I can. I educated myself. I prepare for this show, and I pray, and I get right with God before I start, and then I open my mouth and wait. And whatever comes in my head, I say. I don't put any thought into it. I don't put any effort into that part of it. I just say whatever comes in my mind. I allow my education to speak through me, and hopefully that's God doing his work. So far, it seems to be working. MVTV says, I hope you feel better, American Justice, and I do too. I hope you feel better. And like I said, if you need anything, let me know or let somebody know, and we'll come a-running one way or the other. April says, hey, American Justice, love and prayers, honey. American Justice says, 
medical issues. Don't have many answers right now. Testing to be done over the next few days. Well, please keep us posted, and we'll be praying for you. The Lord's will be done always, but we'll be putting in a word. Much love. Everything is going to be all right. God bless. We are all praying for you, honey. Yes, anything, Ajot. That's correct. Power to you, Ajot. XEMT and unit secretary in acute care ICUs and ERs and a phlebotomist. All that means is I know how it, I know, all that means is that I know it's a freaking dizzy dance until some answers for whatever ails you. Mm. It's just been a financial struggle and waiting for assistance is BS. I've learned to let go and let God. Wiser words have never been spoken. You must let go and let God because his will will always prevail. His will will always be done. And it is not always in our favor, but the world must turn. It must go on. And it takes all people to make that happen. And the grind continues. Nobody lives forever. Everybody has problems. But everybody can find salvation, too. It just depends on the circumstance. It's not to say everything will always work out right, but it'll always work out the way God has it in mind. So let go and let God, and the best you can hope for is to be on his side when he makes his decisions. Beyond that, I have no idea how it works. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I had an inside track on that. I'd be making some stuff happen for some good people. <laughs> but that's life. Mm. Yes, I understand. I've done the same thing, love, says April. Absolutely. That's been my fallback. Abject surrender. And usually something good happens. And usually from a vector you never imagine. Amen. <clears throat> that's about being submissive to the will of God. And I do believe that that works. That's what I'm doing here in effect, being submissive. I'm doing what I'm told. Believe me, when I started this podcast, you can go back and watch the first few episodes. It was a different thing. It was for a different reason. It was about me. And then I got the calling, whatever you want to call it. I got the uh, strong impression, let's put it that way, that I needed to be doing something different, something that would last, something for my children, something for people that I love. I needed to tell the truth. Uh, certain circumstances in my life led me to that decision, but it's always been lingering since I was a little boy, that, that push to do more with my brain. So I finally listened. Maybe a little late in the game, but I finally listened, and now I'm doing what I'm told. So if you do what you're told, I'm sure that it will work in your favor. And I'm also sure that it will grease the wheels for any blessings that are coming your way. As you already well know, yes, I have been blessed. Amen. Yes, you have, and so have I. Let us monitor and situation and rally as able. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard as a mother when you can barely provide basic stuff like food and clothing. I do understand that. I raised two kids by myself for 14 years. I do understand. I'm with you on that. I wasn't a single mom, but I was a single dad. I don't have children, says MVTV, but have known my friend Carol's daughter, Tori, since she was six years old. Now have two unofficial nephews, but thinking of them. Well, you don't have to have kids to be part of a kid's life. If there's a kid around you in need and you have the capability, you should absolutely be part of their life and give them something good to remember. Because there are good people that come through your life, especially when you're a kid. That's very important. Just somebody that doesn't take advantage of them is a, a memory that they can carry on through life. That's a blessing because this whole world is full of people that will. And it's nice to have a good person to be good to them, and they'll remember that forever, and they'll love you forever for it. I'm kind of cut off from the world right now, so I'm not really able to do that sort of thing, but I certainly would have had the opportunity. And I do have children of my own, and I love them very much, and uh, they're on their own path right now. We'll just have to see how that works out. And as you know, Saturday was my birthday. So I had a good weekend. And I got to see my boy on my birthday. So that was a blessing. And that's why I can never justify complaining. Yeah. Talking to American Justice. You can maneuver a lot easier without if a quiet house. But mothers should be the protected class, not these trans fools. Hey, I hear you. Mothers should always be put on the highest of pedestals. They always should be taken care of by every man alive because that's men's jobs that's the reason we exist, is to protect women, especially women of, of childbearing age or women that have children. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad apples in the world, and a lot of women that are in that position feel very unloved. And I'm here to tell you that all men are not that way, and I hope that you haven't been jaded because of some that were. And, uh, you know, just know that there are men out there that would lay down their lives to protect you, and do anything in their power to provide for you. There are men that do that. So I hope that's comforting in some way. You know, I know it's rough out there. But that's why we come together as a group. That's why we have a community. That's why we're building something we can rely on. There's only room for people in this community that can rely on one another. That's what we're building here. So I'm glad you're part of it. And know that you can rely on all of us. There's not one person in this chat right now you couldn't call at any time, day or night, that they wouldn't be there to listen to you and help if they can. Not one. Not a very big channel, but it's a solid one. And she says, I do my best. Well, your best is plenty good enough, honey. You just keep doing it. 
My doctor ordered me on snap. But after three months of absolute strung along crap, I gave up. I don't know what snap is. And I had time for that. If I had kids, we'd be toast. Well said, Jake. That's right on. Thank you, dear. Well, it is that time. We're 30 minutes past the hour, so I have to work in the morning, so I'm going to bid you guys adieu, but hey, thank you so much for being here and being so interesting and being so attentive and so giving of your time. I'm grateful for you, each and every one of you, and you have my ear regardless, day or night. You email me right here. This is my email address. Right on the bottom of the screen, untetheredlivestream at gmail.com. Anytime, day or night, I'll come right back to you. And I'll give the best I can for you. I love you true from the bottom of my heart, and I mean that. I do. Won't you do me a favor? Despite the evil in this world, and despite, for pure spite against the evil in this world, when you go out into it tomorrow, go out of your way to be nice to somebody. I know it's asking a lot, especially the way this world is, and it ain't going to be nice to you. But you do it. You go out and you be nice to somebody. Smile as you walk by somebody. Hold a door for somebody. Buy a bum a sandwich. Just do something nice. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how much effort was required. Just be nice, and I promise you it'll change your life. It'll make it better. It'll make you feel better. It'll make the people around you feel better. It will invite things into your life that you need. I promise you that. I give you my word on it. Try it. and Prove me wrong. You do that, and I'll see you guys on Wednesday for some lightness, for some jamming or talking or something. We'll do something special on Wednesday anyway. I love you guys. Have a great night. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you and Merry Christmas. And above all.